Hey, I'm Lynn Rogala. And I'm Allie Diliberto, and we are coming to you from the ladies' room. So we can talk about removing stupid, frustrating, and toxic shit from the world in a way that's not prim enough for the dinner table. Okay, welcome back to the ladies' room. Here we are again. Here we are again, and we're going to test a theory. You didn't even know we were going to test. Oh, about no. working. It's about working genius, which is, can Allie galvanize even when she's sick? <laughs> I obviously can. How dare you? <laughs> well, because this topic was your topic. My I'm, topic. Excited. I'm excited about it, but there, this is... I mean, this is kind of true always, but of all the topics we've done, this is the one where I could most go down a billion rabbit holes that would be interesting to like 0.01% of the entire population, let alone whoever listens to our podcast. And so you're going to have to like galvanize the direction in a way that's entertaining to people other than just me. All right. I'll see it. I'll see what I can do. I'll just start coughing. Like if it gets sad. Yeah, and we've got to, we've got to, both of us have been having coughing for different reasons. And so the goal is to stop the podcast before someone coughs so hard that they throw up. I do think it's kind of amazing. I mean, there's no surprise that I'm sick, right? Like Jacob, my son was sick, you know, a week ago and I was taking care of him. And right after Peggy had her foot amputated, like within a few days of that, so I think it's rather amazing that I made it from May to now without getting sick at all. Yeah. And that reminds me, I've been meaning to ask you, um, are you open to hearing about natural solutions for your healthcare? <laughs> <laughs> I've been like dumping. One of my um, friends called me um, a couple of days ago and was like, you know, that tea tree and on guard you gave me, I've been using it internally. And then I Googled it and I, found out it's one of the most dangerous things I could be taking. And I was like, oh no. And I was literally like, while I was talking to him, dumping tea tree down my throat, I was like, no, no, you're, you're wrong. You're reading some kind of, you know, offsite about rando stuff. Yeah. Hang on. I can't answer you. I have to quick swallow this tea tree. I'll be right back. (laughs) And he was so genuinely cute and worried. I was like, no, no. I was like, I'm literally dumping tea tree down my throat right now. You'll be just fine. Yeah. I mean, you don't want to drink a bottle of it, but that's true of anything in your medicine cabinet too. Right. And it also would be kind of hard to drink a bottle of it. I mean, you could, but you would have to be pretty committed to it. I don't think I'm that committed to anything because I think tea tree tastes like putting trash in your mouth. Yeah. It's pretty gross. If it didn't work so awesomely. All right. I'm actually very excited about um, the topic today because I got a survey last week. I don't even know what it was, but something popped up that was like, what's the most frustrating thing about technology in your life? And I thought about it for a minute and I was like, obviously having to technology for anybody else is clearly the, like the fact that I'm probably the most tech savvy person in the house. Although now that Jacob's here, like anybody under 20 is the most tech savvy person in the house. Right. But my mom, my husband, my like my dad so anybody and then the week was just full of like one technology thing after the other and um I was traveling this week I went back to Montana to do some stuff you know just a quick trip 
And then I came, one night I was sitting at the hotel for two hours helping my dad because he couldn't figure out why his iPhone storage was over full. And the, the, like the basic hilarity of problem solving. So finally he realized like somehow he had like 900 gigabytes of things downloaded for Amazon music. So I'm like, just delete that dad. We'll reinstall it. Well, because we tried just offloading the data and that didn't work. I mean, who knows if he did it right or not. So I'm like, just delete it and then we'll reinstall Apple Music for you. Or I mean, Amazon Music for you. So he does that. I mean, it was like such a crazy navigating him through the things. But my the culmination that made me laugh so hard was I, then we went to reinstall Amazon Music. And he had, and I'm like, he couldn't figure out the any of it like he couldn't figure out how to get the password in couldn't figure out how to download amazon music because it doesn't say download right it's just a little cloud right you click on to re-download it and then finally i'm like and then he couldn't read those what are they called non-champa things at the bottom where they like what is it called yeah those things are called captcha and i actually i actually have a thing where they offend me they deeply offend me because when one pops up on my phone that says like pick all the chimneys and I'm sitting there without my glasses. I'm like, you <laughs> fuckers. No. <laughs> and so, the worst part is those are AI training. So you're doing like free volunteer work because those are places where Google maps can't figure something out. They're like, we're pretty sure some of these are chimneys, but we need to improve the algorithm a little bit. So, Hey human, use your eyes and tell oh, me about these chimneys. No. I wish you hadn't told me that. Cause that's going to make me so angry all the time. Yeah, that's why it's always crosswalks and stop signs and stuff like that. Although I'm getting a lot of boats and hills and mountains lately. Yeah, great. Well, thank you. Now that you've pissed me off fully, we can just call it a day. Well, we should wait till the next next podcast because I've been listening to the statistics thing about invisible women, but we'll hold my anger in check. We'll just let my anger bubble over about the CAPTCHA discrimination. I mean, I'm on my phone. So the picture is already really tiny and now I don't have my glasses on. So I'm supposed to pick the chimney, which is like four pixels wide on my phone screen. Screw you. I mean, I've heard this, this not being able to see your phone thing is coming for me, but it happened so abruptly for me. Like almost overnight where all of a sudden I needed reading glasses and I've used um, reading glasses on the computer since I was in my twenties, just to reduce eye strain. Um, Especially after I got, I used to wear contacts and then I got LASIK. And so the having no lens, like no contact, no glasses or whatever was a little bit intense. Um, Especially when we used to use those old CRTs. So I've been using reading glasses. Wait, what's the CRT? uh capoid raid tubes like the old monitors that were like the old tvs where they glowed in your face okay. you know right. you could have just said old monitor like everybody else could have understood that too well they're called crts i mean things have names and that's the name of it Only but anyway but okay. i've been using reading glasses for years and years and years for that at the computer but um only in I mean, it seriously was like one week I could see my phone and the next week, and I can still see it most of the time, which is why sometimes I'm sitting there without my glasses. And then a recapture comes up. That's that. I'm like, come on, you ageist jerks. (laughs) Well, can't you just press the sound button on the bottom? It'll read it to you. But not if I need to pick out the chimneys or the crosswalks or the boats or the mountains. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, it's one of those where it's like flashing different letters. 
So yeah, that one it's is flashing a- different letters at my dad, who's blind in one eye, and then he's hard of hearing. So of course I'm yelling at the phone. He can't see it. He can't get it right. So I'm like, all right, here's what we're gonna do. I'm going to FaceTime you. You answer on your iPad, and then you point your iPad at the phone, and I'll read it for you. Right? Best solution yeah. in the world. Yeah. So I hang up. I call my dad back for about ten minutes. I'm like, point the phone at, point the iPad at the phone before we finally realize that he's answered me on his phone FaceTime because he doesn't have FaceTime on his iPad. He's deleted. He just decided he didn't need all these things. He deleted FaceTime. He deleted um, his contacts, like everything possible <laughs> that off, off of his iPad. He's like, well, I don't use those. And I'm like, Listen, it's a good thing your operating system on your iPad isn't, uh, you know, accessible to you because you would have deleted that too. And then getting him, once we finally got that reinstalled, getting him to point the phone, I'm like, can you see the phone in your iPad screen? And he's like, kind of, like he couldn't make the phone match up with that. And he kept saying, the worst part was like, he kept saying, sorry. And I was like, this is such bullshit. This technology thing has taken two hours of my life. And it would have literally been easier if I just flew to Denver or found some kid to go over to my dad's house for five minutes and solve this problem. And I was like, dad, he used to have all these kids across the street, like the bus stop met at his house, but he complained so much that they moved the bus stop. And I was like, I bet you would have been happier if you kept one of those little bus stop kids around. They could have just <laughs> come over and fix your phone for you. Yeah, just today. Um so obviously I am the technology person in not only my immediate family, but my entire extended family. And also um, for pretty much anybody, like yeah. it's really disgraceful that we live in a world where I'm ever the tech person. Right. Although I try to keep that on the download as much as possible. Just call because, in everybody. Yeah. I mean, send all your technology questions in the comments. No, um, <laughs> I, I mean, you can do whatever you want. I'm just not going to answer you, but um <laughs> I mean, we used to joke about it in my field where it's like, oh, you know, software, my printer isn't working. Like, okay, great. Um, I don't know anything about printers. I might know a little bit about printers, but screw you and your printer. I'm a software person. But anyway, so today I got uh, uh, Eric's mom called, Bob calls. She says, I need you for two minutes, which is always some, it's always her phone. And whenever yeah. she calls me and says, she, so, which was fine because I needed to get her some pie. She's been meaning to come and get some leftover pie. So I said, all right, right. So it's totally different if she can come to your house too. Yes. Well, she sometimes gets herself in predicaments where even that doesn't help. But um, <laughs> Eric's sister changed his mom's Gmail password. I don't know why, but she did. And then she didn't know where to put it on her phone. So I just showed her and all was well and she could get back into her Ta-da. email. But um, a couple of weeks ago, I was trying to FaceTime my grandma and um, we just, we never got that to work. And (laughs) it's interesting because she was telling me what she saw. And I said, well, she needed to put in her iTunes password and she didn't know what it was. So we couldn't get that worked out. And then the next day, my uncle went over to church and he just, he said, all I had to do was click on FaceTime. I'm like, well, I assure you yesterday she was logged out. So I don't know what was happening. But it, she managed to open FaceTime. She told me what she was seeing and she was in the right place. She read to me everything. And you know what? My grandma is 96 and knows how to tag people on Facebook. 
Like she wishes people happy birthday and tags them successfully. That's impressive. I think she's pretty tech savvy for an old lady. Yeah. Oh yeah. When it came to putting my dad's password in, like, I don't, now that they have two factor authentication, like, what do you do if you only have one device? I mean, he does have an iPad and a phone, but what if he didn't? Yeah. That's a big problem when people's phones die and stuff. Oh, it was the worst. So the conclusion was that he was like up half an hour past his bedtime. And I was laughing hysterically because it was so ridiculous. And he kept apologizing, like really profusely, like how bad he felt. And then he was also kind of super mad and not at me, of course. And then we agreed that we would resume, but I've been sick. So I didn't, I haven't had to endure that yet. I'm thinking about just flying Jacob to Colorado for a day, (laughs) getting him to walk to grandpa's, touch the phone and magically it'll start working again. A long, long time ago, I used to have to help my dad by phone and it was so frustrating. And we discovered this, um, there was this remote control software. So there's expensive IT softwares where you can take uh, control of somebody's computer. But we found this really inexpensive one that was written by um, a guy who wrote another piece of software that I really liked. And it was like, you could get a day pass, like a $10 day pass and take control of somebody's computer with their permission. Like they, you go, you have both had to do it. I'm like, this is fantastic. The next time my dad has some problem, all he has to do is go to this website and open this browser and type in this thing. And then I can actually take control of his screen and his mouse and his keyboard and everything. This is awesome. We were both very excited. And then the next problem he called me with was that his internet was out. I'm like, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the one thing, the one thing. <laughs> I know I was like there must be some way for my dad just to let me touch his phone for him but yeah I when I was problem solve that when I was home in the summer they wanted to watch the chosen and their smart tv was too <laughs> old um so I spent like a half a day going with them to Meyer and getting a Roku and getting the Roku all set up we got them all set up with Netflix and everything on the Roku and I showed my stepmom but I didn't show my dad so they won't do it. My dad refuses to even try. He said, you didn't show me. I said, well, I showed Gail. He says, well, you didn't show me. And I said, well, dad, it's a Roku remote. It has like an okay button, a play button and four arrow buttons on it. So Riley could manage it when she was five. I think you can do it. Was, yeah, these kids. And you know, when Riley was really little, she picked up tech. I mean, they all do. Right. But um, we had to, uh, we had to not only put a password a parental purchase password on the Roku, right. but we had to change it because that little shit watched us type it in one time and figured out what it was. Oh my gosh. So we had to get it to like where we put it in so fast. She couldn't track it because she <laughs> memorized it and she yeah. helped herself to a couple episodes of some show, you know, that was purchased <laughs> only. And she was, I'm not joking, five, maybe six years old. I remember once going into the boys room and um, they were little enough that they shared a room, so they couldn't have been mu- much older than that. And Caleb had written every password that we used for anything in the back of a journal. And I was <laughs> like, oh, I mean, it was like at least a year's worth of anything we'd ever used. And I was like, what a little creep. How does he know this? Yeah. How did he catch all this? So the nice thing about me and technology is I will be able to stay ahead of the child. I promise you that. Um, somebody at work one time said to me something about, 
you know, did Eric set up blah, blah, when he set up your routers? I'm like, I am totally insulted that you assume that Eric maintains our routers instead of me, because I tell you what, I have maintained our home network the entire time we've been married. So I was, I was very insulted by his sexist assumptions. I was really hoping when we got married that anything connected to the TV would be John's domain. I'm like, here's the remote. I mean, I didn't even have a TV before we got married, but as soon as I attached a fire stick to it, that was the end of that. <laughs> That's funny. Um, okay. But we were going somewhere with this because when you oh, told we me about this, well, we were because <laughs> when, you told me, <laughs> when you told me that you wanted to talk about this, I said, it was so funny because I had just watched something and as funny as these stories are, there's actually real world implications to this. Because the same day that you called me, I had watched a video and I don't know how old it was. Um, oh, yeah. Of someone from Google testifying in front of Congress. Oh, and my gosh. Yes. <laughs> it was little outtakes of it. But and, and I have to give props to whoever it was. They didn't say his name and I don't know anybody from Google by face, but I think he's pretty high up like a CTO or a CEO or something. I don't think he's a CEO, but whatever. And he had a poker face. I would not have been able I would not have been able to pull this off without an eye roll or a heavy sigh or something that would have gotten me like a congressional censure. They like, must have no- known, you know, like to really prep him ahead of time. Like yeah. this is going to be completely ridiculous. Right. So the kinds of questions they were asking him were so ignorant of technology, just ridiculous. Like the one guy asked him, um, if I take my phone and I walk across the cham- chamber, can Google track me? And he said, well, not by default, but I would need to know what apps. And the guy says, no, he just interrupted him. Answer me yes or no. Is Google tracking me? He said, well, I would have to look at the device. I can't believe you're telling me you can't just answer yes or no. Like he was trying to trap him. But it demonstrated so much ignorance about how all this technology works. And some people ask some dumb questions about search and whether it could be tampered with by a person and when he said no it couldn't be the person the senators or I don't know if it was a senator or a representative said well my time's up but I just want to say I do think it could be altered by a person and I <laughs> I, I seed my time I'm like okay like, way to say that but they were almost all old white guys there was one old white woman and it's funny to watch but it's also really alarming because they have the power to make laws about this stuff that they don't understand at all. Right. Like, they have ridiculous. like don't you have to at least figure out what's going on if you're going to make laws about this? I mean, apparently not. Right. I um, guess that's true of so many things. I was reading an article in this morning's um, New York Times or maybe yesterday about what's going on with Roe v. Wade. And I was just like, oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, holy shit. But I, I mean, even though I am not, I am pro-life um, and but maybe not, you know, like in a black and white way, but holy shit. I was like, man, I don't know if all these people should be making these kinds of decisions. Yeah. Like, do you remember, um, when they were debating abortion, maybe 20 years ago, and one of the people there was spouting off that it's not physically possible for a woman to get pregnant from rape. The system just shuts it all down. He actually, no, no, I mean, I don't let me be very super clear. I am quoting a person who said it. I don't believe that's true. There's a lot of evidence that it's not true. That is a completely untrue thing, yeah, but I'm obviously. not making up. I'm not making up the fact that a guy said it as <sighs> part of official on the record testimony. Like 
we don't have to worry about rape exceptions because a woman's body knows how to shut it down during rape. Like the what fuck? The fuck? <laughs> oh, look, jinx. <laughs> <laughs> But um, yeah, so getting back to the technology thing, they, they do, um, they, they just have no idea and they make laws to regulate stuff that they don't understand at all, not even in the slightest. Um, shoot, I lost my train of thought. There was something I was, oh, here's an example. So this is a relatively minor example. And it's funny because as a policy, it's one that I don't necessarily agree with, but um, about again, maybe 15 or 20 years ago, Congress changed daylight savings time. Do you remember this? No. Um, They changed it to be a little earlier in the spring and a little later in the fall. And they gave, it was a very short window. I want to say 18 months for the change to go over. Oh, yeah. I do know what you're going to tell us. Yeah. If you, if you're just like a regular person or whatever thinking, oh yeah, 18 months, that's plenty of time for everyone to get used to the change. But the amount of software that had to be redone was insane. It was so expensive. It was, it might've been as expensive as Y2K fixes because nowadays with modern software, you mostly use, um, okay, this is where I might go down a rabbit hole. So let me try really hard to not do that. (laughs) When you're writing software, you can use these packages, libraries that have been written by other people and you just kind of plug them in. Okay. So in modern software, you have like a calendar library and you say, okay, I'm going to use this calendar that somebody else has already written. I'm going to plug it in. So anytime I need a date or anytime I need to calculate how long between this time and this time, you know, set my alarm for five minutes from, you know, remind me five minutes before or whatever, um, you could use that. And it's already, it handles daylight savings time. Okay. And so now in modern software, if something was going to be changed like that, you could change just like the library writers would have to change their libraries to handle it properly. But 20 some years ago, a lot of that stuff was handwritten, hand rolled. So, and it's, it's amazing how often you have to use dates in any kind of software, whether it's calendaring or whatever, figuring out, like, send me an email, you know, 10 days after this event happens or whatever. And you have to calculate, right. Those dates. So changing all of that, because it wasn't just that daylight savings time changed, it's that it changed on a day. So you had to use the old one up to a certain day and then a new one going forward. It, I don't even know, billions of dollars to implement that. And it wasn't necessarily a bad change, but I bet you a million dollars that whoever passed it did not take that into account. No, I'm sure because I don't know that being the technology person falls under the unseen work of women, but I was literally like fucking Apple and fucking Amazon and everybody else. Like they're getting so much money out of me in my time and energy, helping everyone in my life technology. Like I must spend weeks a year answering questions, clicking buttons for other people. It's insane. Yeah. And here is, so to get a little bit into the book, I'm listening to the invisible women. Cause I don't know that I I have to be fair that that technology thing often falls on men. No, I mean, it's whoever has, it's like the default parent. There's a default technology person in the household. Um, The other complaint I have with technology is that, and this is the the book I'm listening to is all about this. um, The idea that men are the default 
men are default humans and women are this weird aberration deviation, even though we're half, like the world is built for humans, i.e. men. And then anything <laughs> we have to do to account for women. No, you laugh, but that's actually how. But like, I love that you say i.e. men. Yeah. But that's, but that's the listening, right? Like that's the real, the first part of this book, um, the first chapter is all about the default human being a man in our language, in our models, in our physical models, like the temperatures of offices and the heights of shelves and the way car seats and everything, right? Not baby car seats, but like actual adult seats in the car. But one of my biggest complaints, and this is getting a little bit better, is that the people writing technology are often men and they're often single men. And so the needs of women and especially the needs of mothers Um, are not often accounted for inside how technology works. Like you and I have talked about this, that one of my pet peeves when I first started using a Palm Pilot and Outlook is you couldn't have more than one calendar. And I'm like, yeah, because these unencumbered men have one calendar for their whole life. Whereas I don't know a single woman who doesn't have at least two calendars and probably more like four or five, like the personal one, the work one, the family one, the kids one like that. Yep. And none of the early technologies handled it. And I had to actually buy a piece of add-on software at my own expense to make the the technologies that I had spent a ton of money on work for me because my experience as a woman just wasn't accounted for in the way the software works. And so this is a dumb question, but is that because of where technology was at all at the time or was it literally built wrong like did, was technology at a place where it could have handled that complexity well, yeah you it could add-on have. software i guess it so. could have because i yeah because i had a piece of add-on software no i think it's more that the men who wrote it had the perspective their own perspective and they weren't being dicks right, right. like it's not and it's not just a men women thing like um face id um doesn't yeah. work as well for people of color and someone was telling me that um they had during COVID last year, things like the SATs and the, the ACTs and stuff, they, they had this proctoring software to prove that you were a live person, that you were who you said you were. And um, they, they wouldn't recognize this person's black hand, their skin. She had wow. to like go over to the sunlight. And even then it was really difficult. And that's also, um, And the person who wrote the post was really mad at the face ID people or the skin ID people. And I said, well, it's kind of not their fault or it's not only their fault because these systems are so complicated that all of those systems work on training sets and developing a training set is a very specialized skill. Like there's companies that sell training sets of voices, of faces, of people walking, of skin, all this other stuff. So if you're writing a piece of AI that does face ID, for example, it's only going to be as good as the training set that you can buy. And if you're a software company, you're not going to develop a training set. Like they're two completely different um, jobs. And so it goes back to the training set. And then the training set is only as good as the data that was available at the time. And the data that was available at the time was only as good as the cameras that were available at the time. And the film developing wasn't for black skin and on and on and on. It's like this, this, it goes down and down and down and down for anyone basically who's not a white man, the default. It's so interesting. Yeah. Like face ID, voice ID, 
that's all built around white men's faces and voices. Right. We've talked about that in the past for sure. Yeah. And it's not, I mean, it's sexism in the sense that it's built into the system, but it doesn't require anyone's active malevolence for it to still right. be a problem, which is right. what makes I think it that's a-, a fair, you know, because a lot of times the make wrong makes it, there's plenty of make wrong, right? Like we, I was so distracted about the Roe v. Wade comment that you made that I had a hard time paying attention for a minute, but, um, Oh, the, about the guy you mean about the rape? Yeah. Guy? I was so pissed off about that. <laughs> there's plenty of like fair fury to go around in the world, but a lot of times the make wrong gets in the way of actually just making progress. But yeah. Cause even with that guy, advantage. Yeah. Even with that guy, he really believed that. And I had heard that before I'd been taught that at some point. <laughs> you right? spent too many years in the church, obviously. Right. Messed up. Right. Oh. Um, so he wasn't, I mean, he was being a sexist in that he didn't think to question that assumption or anything, but he didn't make that up out of his own head. Someone taught him that. That's bullshit. You know, a dumbass. <laughs> right, right. Some dumbass but taught you this. That kind of stuff persists. And so when you think about technology, there really are um, like, so there's the problem that a lot of people who don't understand it are making policy around it. And mm-hmm. then there's also the problem that it's built often from the perspective of the builders who are mostly white men and often are single white men. Like I was thinking when she was talking, I was in this book I was listening to and she was talking about the transportation needs of women. And I was thinking about this conversation I had with a guy I used to work with who's, um, he's not a young millennial, but he's kind of, he's not an old one either. He's like in his mid twenties. And he was talking about, um, someday there might be a, and I didn't have the language at the time. I wish I had had the language. He said, someday we'll probably get to the place where nobody has cars. We'll be able to just like order up a self-driving car and go from one place to another. And then when we're ready, order up another self-driving car. And I said, yeah, I can see that from your perspective. I said, but for somebody like me, for example, when I was a mother, I often kept my stroller in the car and my diaper bag in the car. And I might be going to get groceries and I have a child with me and a car seat. Um, So like for, um, and the language she used in the book, Invisible Women was um, women travel encumbered. Women are more likely to travel encumbered with a baby, a stroller, an elderly relative, groceries, shopping, whatever else it is. Yep. And so he was, he had a perspective of an unencumbered passenger and to his credit, when I pointed it out to him, he's like, oh, I never thought of that. I'm like, yep. But if that's the whole point, that's the whole point. Somebody with that perspective, an unencumbered perspective, which is actually a lot of the people that design our traffic and our. That's what I was going to say. They're likely to be working on software systems or whatever while there's somebody at home supporting them doing that. Well, but it's not even that. It's not even that. It's that they have an unencumbered perspective. So she talked about how men travel, like in general, men travel from work, I'm sorry, from home to work and back, point A, point B, point A. And women do what's called chaining because they're much more likely to have to drop a kid at school or stop for groceries or pick up a prescription or all the things. And the men designing the systems are point A to point B travelers themselves And so they're designing from their perspective and they don't even know that it's their perspective. 
So it's not like they're sitting there thinking I'm doing this all on my own and I don't appreciate my wife. It's not that they have a wife at home supporting their work. It's that they just don't travel like, like his perspective of, you know, I could take an Uber to work and then I could take an Uber to see a movie with a friend. And then I could take an Uber home because that's easy, right? He doesn't have a car seat. He doesn't have a bag of groceries. He doesn't have whatever. He had a totally unencumbered perspective. So it's that the people designing all of this technology that we work, live and work with, um, and especially AI, um, AI is already starting to discriminate against women in hiring, resume scanning, all these different things, because the, the designers and the training sets are mostly white men. Right. So if you don't match, you're basically not human <laughs> if you're not a white man from an AI perspective. Perfect. Right? But I mean, we can laugh about it, but it's a big problem because algorithms and AI are running more and more of our life all the time. Right. And they are not designed for anything except what the world considers a default human, which is a white man and usually an American white man. Right. It's really interesting. Yeah. Which is a swirl from what you were talking about being the technology person, but you said technology and I was like, okay, I can run that. Yeah. No, it's all part of the same. I mean, I was literally thinking about how many, I mean, I, uh, this year I was the default caregiver. I was, I'm the default technology person. I manage the, and it's not that my husband's not helpful because he is too. I mean, he's an, he has enablement, right? Like he loves to help and he gets a lot of satisfaction from that. But when I was thinking about just the, what it would have cost the world to do what I have done just this year, it would have been astronomical. And I don't have that resource to put into something else. And so I've been thinking about a lot about how do I ever get the leverage on my own life to do a lot of the things that I care about doing, right? Writing a book and working on these projects because the main project of the life of, I think most women still revolves around the family. And I don't think that's true of most men who are career focused. Right. And the statistics she gave in the book, so nice that I just started listening to this book, um, is that 75% of unpaid care work, which includes not only um, actual physical caring of people, but grocery shopping and maintaining doctor's appointments and making sure everyone has a winter coat and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. 75% of that work still falls on women, completely irrespective of socioeconomic status. And she said, even in wealthy families where both parents work and they outsource a lot of that work. So say, say there's like 10 units of work that need to be um, outsourced or need to be done. Right. If they didn't outsource any of it, the woman would do 7.5 units of that work. What they found was if they outsource nine of those units and they leave one, the woman still does 0.75 of that one remaining and the man 0.25. So the proportion of women doing 75% of the unpaid care, she called it really sticky. Like no matter how things shift, like the total amount shrinks or grows, it still lands about 75% on, on women. And I'm surprised that it's not higher when I think about all the like just logistics that go into parenting. I am, I mean, maybe that's just in my own life that it was like, well, it's 99%, all, but it's all unpaid care work. So it would include yard work and car maintenance and everything. Okay. 
Um, and she said, even when the proportion goes up, men take the more fun parts, like the proportion will go up and they'll take like playing with the kids <laughs> and, you know, taking the kids to the movies or putting them to bed or doing bath time or whatever. And right. that, um, and then when it comes to icky care, the percentage is even higher. So if there's like an elderly family member with dementia, right. the woman is much more likely to be taking care of that family member. And if they have to like change a diaper, the percentage of it being women goes up even more. That's so interesting. It is really just fascinating to really think about. Yeah. All right. Well, now I'm depressed. And I know this book I'm has been infuriating. I need to go back to bed. It's my fault. <laughs> forget it um no but it really is like it's something to it's something that I have to grapple with like really honestly in my own life because I'm the primary income earner in the family which wasn't always true like I I mean I maybe it was true depending how you look at it but I was a stay-at-home parent and I made my husband at the time's business function so I gave him a lot of credit for being the primary income earner but given what's happened to his income since we got divorced, I'm going to take way more credit. Than yeah, I right. Have. You enabled. And it's interesting because we started this conversation with you talking about being the default technology person, but I would say that's not even a fair characterization of that because um, like Eric's mom coming over to change her password. Um, I'm definitely more capable than he is when it comes to technology we're, we're like four years apart, but a generation apart. Like he's such an old man and he acknowledges it, but she doesn't ever ask him. She asks me because it really is more caregiving. Mm -hmm. It's, it's not really about technology. Like she would come to me. I think even if she needed to pick the best pair of shoes or something like that. So when you said you're the default technology person, it's true, but it's also, I think much more related to caregiving because your dad's phone being full was kind of a technology problem, but also was a, a parent having a trouble with their fridge or something. You know, it's kind of in that category of like when there was a leak at Bobcha's house and I had to run over there and check and make sure it was okay. It's much more. Well, I think in this, in this case, like if, my, if John, if my dad had identified that John would have given him the figuring out his phone, he would have called John, but I don't think that, that, I don't think that was about technology so much as it would be the interest in helping the parent. Yeah, it's true. Cause John is very motivated to care for like all the parents, like all the people, like he is really, you know, like the, I think like he tends the parents way better than I do. Um, when it comes to just like touching base and all that kind of stuff, but when there's something to actually get done, then it, like when I go, I was literally thinking like, I haven't seen my dad. I saw him for half a day this summer in Colorado and I haven't really spent any time with him. Like mostly since COVID started, like in the very beginning of COVID, we were with him. But um, once we moved to Montana, I don't think I've really seen him. And usually he keeps a list of things for me to do. And whenever I visit, I have this list of things to do that <laughs> involves everything from buying bike tires on Amazon to, you know, figuring out different things in the world for him. But I was like, last night I was like, or when we were technologying, I was like, oh my God, I can't even imagine how big that list is. Like what's happening. I better plan like a week to go, to go do all the list. Yeah. And that's all inside caregiving. It is. Like un- unpaid yeah. caregiving. So if we're going to wrap well, up, I'm I think depressed. we need, 
no then so we need to wrap up with at least one funny story because okay, you said I hope this, you have one my god well this is the one that you said it's not related to anything except technology and this is where um people not using technology properly can be entertaining and that's the grandmaster flash oh i thought about that earlier in the conversation <laughs> i was like i wonder if you even remember all of that in oh my gosh theater. Yeah. So this was something I found years ago and showed to you. And it was one of those technology things where it just got funnier. The more you read it, it just kept getting funnier and funnier and funnier, which is um, when Facebook, and I think they kind of got rid of this or turned it down a little bit because of this problem, but Facebook started introduced an auto tagging feature where if you start typing someone's name, it would tag them. And all these grandmas were auto tagging Grandmaster Flash in their posts (laughs) and in their comments. So like they'd comment on a grandkids, congratulations on your um, graduation, Sienna. We love you so much. Love grandpa and Grandmaster Flash because their grandma grandma would automatically um, tag Grandmaster Flash. And it's funny to say but it was one of those compilation web pages where by the time you got to like the 10th or 11th one, like I was just in tears, just hysterical tears of laughing. And also because the grandmas were like, I don't know why this man is on the page. I didn't type the word flash, like, <laughs> all confused. And then also picturing Grandmaster Flash's Facebook wall full of all these little old ladies, you know, accidentally. I've never been more proud of you than when you got your Girl Scout badge. Love Grandmaster Flash. (laughs) (laughs) And you used to read them to me. And then for a year, for a really long time, we were like, we would say that about our parents. Love Grandmaster Flash. Love Grandpa and Grandmaster Flash. Um, So that has nothing to do with anything other than it's old people using technology improperly and being confused but it is funny and less depressing than the unseen work of women. So <laughs> I love, you get to, you can see grandma on her phone, just like dink, dink on the computer looking really close, like perfect. And it's really yeah. hard to undo those um, auto tags too. You have to really know what you're doing to undo the auto tags. And, you know, that's actually a problem in technology too, um, to kind of bring it back to what we were talking about is that um, the people who write technology are very savvy and so they often write systems that are easy for them to use because they're really smart with technology right Um, I did a talk one time called beyond software that was all about the user experience and I'm not super into the user experience like when if I have to write something for a user I write it for myself like I'm terrible you don't want me designing your user experience but I gave a talk about even thinking about this about making it easier and I used the example of um And this has gotten so much better that it's almost invisible now, but it used to be um, sites when you searched, the only thing you could do was search, like kind of like a Google type search where you Mm -hmm. just type in what you're looking for. And uh, people are really terrible at, like, if you know how, I'm like the queen Googler, I know how to create a keyword search that's really clean, but it's kind of hard to do if you don't have that skill. And so sites are starting to... um, do a lot more like browsing and prompting and giving you options. Like, what are you looking for today? That kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And when I gave this talk, there were some guys and I'm just going to say dicks in the audience. (laughs) And they were like, well, I like the search function. I said, well, I'm not proposing we get rid of the search function. I'm proposing we add all these things on. Well, the search function is perfectly fine. Like, yeah, you use it just fine and fine. That's well covered. And nobody's taking anything away from you. 
but they were like so offended that something other than what they wanted would be included, even if what they wanted was still there, that they were like, no. And (laughs) it's such an interesting, like centralized way of looking at it that it's, it is part of the problem. Like if it works for me, it works for everybody. And they were, they were like not open to the fact that maybe we should include more ways to go about this other than just your way. Like we're not talking about taking away your way. Nobody's trying to kill men here. We just want to make this a little bit easier. Right. Um, it also reminds me of another story of a, a grandma who um, <laughs> this got written up in one of those sweet little things where um, she would write her Google searches super polite. Like, <laughs> please can you give me yes please tell me where there is a movie thank you so much like that kind of thing <laughs> and her grandson tried to tell her like you're actually making it not work as well um she says no politeness always goes a long way <laughs> and <laughs> it's it's just another I mean it's the same as the person who says I believe an individual can mess up the google search results because they don't understand like it's a massive network of computers doing this there's no human being involved but actually google has gotten really a lot better over the last few years of doing um like human friendly search like natural language searching so i and i think they're getting more women involved which always improves everything not just because women are better but because (laughs) it's increasing (laughs) the perspectives right that are there so I love it. not just because we're better, but also <laughs> just because we're better. That, there's more to it. <laughs> so, obviously, obviously we're better, but no, but I, and I think not only do we bring our own perspectives, but we tend to think about other people more, you know, like the fact that I did that talk, like I know how to use search just fine, but I know there's lots of people who don't. And these guys, I mean, they were just dickwads about it. It was really fascinating to me how, um, how adamant they were. And also that I had spent like 40 hours researching, preparing this talk, and they were going to argue with me about it based on their intuition. <laughs> and well, fuckers. <laughs> when I was looking at the review of this book that I just started to the invisible women statistics book, the first review that I saw was a guy who gave it a low review. And again, he argued against her data with his intuition. Like, I don't think this is right. I'm giving this three stars because I don't think this is right. <laughs> like, okay. Right, like this is the wrong way to approach. I mean, I do think it is really interesting. We should talk sometime about just like how people re- approach anything that's confrontational. Like it must be bullshit. Like let's discount it. But. <laughs> well, and it was more like, uh, this doesn't sound right to me. Right. right. I, don't, I don't like this. Here's five studies and all the data. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. That's probably bullshit. It doesn't feel. Yeah. It doesn't feel good to me to read that. Exactly. So, all right. On well, the kind of funny, kind of snarky note, I think we're ready to let you go back to bed with tea and honey, lemon, and whiskey, as we were saying. I. That sounds so good. Love, Lynn, and Grandmaster Flash. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. Be sure to subscribe to catch us in the ladies room. You can also find Lynn at A Spacious Life on Facebook, Instagram, and in Clubhouse. And find Allie at 5 Billion Entrepreneurs on LinkedIn and Instagram.